Namaste and welcome to Pods by PEI, a policy discussion series brought to you by Policy Entrepreneurs Inc. My name is Kushi Hang. In today's episode, we have PEI colleague Dheeraj's conversation with Hem Sagar Boral on the beauty of birds and bird watching. Hem Sagar Boral is an ornithologist with a PhD in bird ecology from the University of Amsterdam and has been involved in wildlife conservation for nearly three decades popularizing public engagement and appreciation. He is the country director of the Zoological Society of London, Nepal, where he leads multiple wildlife conservation projects, charities, and research. In this episode, Dheeraj and Hem Sagar explore the art of bird watching and the immense opportunity for it in Nepal. The two then recount their experiences as avid bird watchers and observe changes, especially the decline in population. They discuss urbanization and climate change as the main deterrents and consider what can be done to mitigate their effects to restore avian life and diversity. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi, Em. Welcome to Pods by PEI. How are you doing today? I'm good. Deeraj, how are you? Oh, very good. Okay. So, Em, to begin our conversation, let me ask the obvious question. How did you become involved in nature and conservation? And to be more specific with today's topic, what was it that drew you towards birds and bird watching in Nepal? Thank you, Dheeraj. Actually, you know, um, right from the beginning, I have developed some kind of passion for wildlife. Not only birds, but the entire wildlife. And I was born in the East Nepal at the age of Koshitapu Wildlife Reserve. And um, right from my childhood, I could see a lot of varieties of birds, as well as a lot of mammals. And uh, coming to birds, in um, 1987, I got a job to work as a trainee naturalist in Chitwan National Park. And at that time, when I was working as a young trainee naturalist, nature guide, then I realized that you know, there was a kind of uh, dearth of knowledge. There was a lot of understanding needed to be developed for our Nepali birds. So I saw that clear niche for me to take up that area as my study. And uh, right from there, that point of time, I thought I'm going to take up this uh, subject and do more bird studies. That's how you know, I really got into birds. So great. As you know, Nepal is indeed blessed by nature in so many regards. With birds, most of us are quite familiar with the Dafe as it's the national yes, bird of Nepal. Yeah, yeah. So many even have heard of the unique birds like Spiny Babbler. And personally, my favorites around Godavari would be red-headed trogon, the long-tailed broadbill, and kutia. Perhaps you could tell a bit more about some of the most unique and beautiful birds of Nepal. Maybe some of your favorites as well. It's probably not really fair to, you know, to be partial <laughs> to some species yeah. because, as you know, that we have something like 891 species of birds in this country recorded over the last 200 years. And um, there are a lot of special birds in Nepal. And um, I think a group of birds that is really special for Nepal, I would call uh, the laughing thrushes because we have varieties of laughing thrushes. We have varieties of other species that belong to that family, babblers, you know, which always live in flocks and they have really interesting behavior. So I think, you know, those birds would be really, really special in this 
you know, in the sense uh, what Nepal is famous. But of course, uh, as you said, there are other lots of colorful birds like long-tailed broadbill, kutia, red-headed trogon, and things like that. And they are absolutely, you know, they are, when you see them, you know, it's a great joy to see those birds that you mentioned. And personally, there was a time that, you know, I was studying so much. Then I fell in love with a bird called ibis bill. So ibis bill is a kind of unique and enigmatic Himalayan wader that breeds in the glaciated valleys of the high mountains during summer. And in winter, when it's cold, it winters um, in the foothills of the Himalayas, where the river makes braided channels and river has shingle banks. So I think that is that still is probably my uh, more loved, you know, more liked bird than anything else. Talking about ibis bill, I remember being engaged in some type of campaign to preserve their habitat. So how are they doing now? So basically, yes, we did uh, some uh, studies, some campaign um, to uh, protect the wintering habitat of ibis bills because where they winter, uh, there's a lot of uh, gravel mining and sand mining and that has really threatened the wintering habitat for ibis bills. So the, the status of ibis bill is it's uh, nationally threatened within the country. But, uh, you know, like ibis bill, there are also many other species that have declined. Nearly 160 species that are on the list of threatened species list. So given your long experience in this sector, I'm sure you have many stories to tell. I know you worked with folks like Carolyn Skip, a local birding icon and the author of Nepal's most famous bird book, Birds of Nepal, and to which you are also a co-author. You also assisted President Jimmy Carter, a keen bird watcher and a frequent visitor to Nepal. Can you tell us some of the most memorable bird watching experiences you've had over the years? Thank you. There is, I think, in the field uh, during those years, you know, I have had a lot of wonderful moments. And um, usually, you know, we get uh, really excited when we see a new event, for example, something. Um, that was not known to the birding or the ornithological uh, fraternities. So the, those moments are very precious. When we find a new species, new record for Nepal, you know, those moments are very memorable and something very precious. So I, I, I can recall, you know, like finding a couple of species, two new species from Suklapata within a week's time. So that, I think, was probably one of my most memorable event, event during my ornithological career. I was collecting data for my PhD and I chose to work in Suklafata National Park. And there I found uh, one species called Singing Lark and the other species Yellow Weaver, both new, new species, never been recorded in Nepal. And uh, the latter species, the yellow weaver, was even globally threatened. It was endemic to India, a bird only found in India. So, so I think those were really memorable events, finding new species. Then, of course, um, in 2016, I think, I found this uh, together with other colleagues, of course, a bird that was long thought to be extinct from this country for nearly 170 years. 
it was thought to be extinct from this country, red-faced Leocitla. And that was, you know, we found that in an area that was quite well birdwatched. There were a lot of other birders that had been there, stayed there, done uh, some kind of exploration. And we were very, very thrilled that, my goodness, you know, this small piece of jungle has this red-faced Leocitla thought to be extinct from Nepal. 170 years back was the last record. So those, those moments were really, really precious and memorable and something I cherish, you know. There are many moments like that, Dhirajin. I think we don't, really don't have the time to explain some more. But I'll just add here that um, uh, Jimmy Carter, you mentioned, and um, I had the most beautiful mornings, two beautiful mornings in Fulchoki, taking him close to your place, your, yeah. you know, your territory. Right. Um, so... We had uh, three, four hours birding, uh, and uh, President Carter was, and I could talk to him as, you know, just like I'm talking to you. He was such a simple, down-to-earth, you know, man, a very much a family man. So we talked about birds when we were in Fulchoki. Then our, um, the long, how do you say, that uh, motorgade was coming back to Salty. And um, then um, he started talking about family, you know, and he said to him, you know, how many children you have? And, you know, and then he started talking, oh, I, I'm the proud um, grandpa, I know, okay. <laughs> and I have so many, you know, grandkids and things like that. And uh, then we, he took me to have breakfast and he said to him, what are you doing tomorrow morning? And I said, President Carter, I'm free. And he said, uh, well, we really like the birding today. Can we go back tomorrow? Okay. <laughs> so it, it was a lovely experience. Any specific bird that he was interested in? or No, just no, he, no, it was more in general. And, but uh, the thing was, he remembered the name of the birds when I showed them. And um, he was uh, genuinely interested. He was not there just to show that a former American president is interested in birds. But he was genuinely interested. And even after he left... The correspondence continued, and he asked me the full bird list that, you know, he had been shown uh -huh. in Fulsoki. So that was really nice. Very good, very good. For the next set of questions, I'd like to begin with an observation that many of us who live in urban areas like Kathmandu have had. Where have all the birds gone? So, for example, I remember the days when a host of sparrows was a common sight, but that's not the case anymore. Today, there seems to be a sharp decline in many of these common birds. So as an avid birder, what is your view on this phenomenon? I think that's a bit of worry, not only in Nepal. It's a global phenomenon, I think, that a lot of our birds have declined. And what we need to note is the birds may be still there, but their population is not. So uh, there is a study done by WWF and my own organization that I work for, GSL, and they have produced a report called the Living Planet Index Report, where they have outlined from the 70s till now, we have lost nearly 70 to 80% populations of the wildlife. So, for example, what that says is, if we used to see sparrows, for example, in 200s, just you know, make it a 70% decline and, you know, count that number. That's what we see today. 
So that's really a worrying thing. And the house sparrow and tree sparrow that we have in Kathmandu Valley. Those are only representative birds, but we have many other species declining, you know, in the urban setting, as well as, of course, in the other habitats. Is there any specific in which why, why the population is declining? Well, the biggest threat to birds has been uh, the loss of habitat. And then there are other threats which are directly impacting the population of the birds also. For example, hunting, trapping, uh, killing, poisoning, those kind of things. And one thing that I must mention here is climate change. Climate change is affecting our birds in a very... Let me stop you there. We'll come to that as well. Okay. So there's another bird that I keenly wanted to discuss with you is the vulture. So this particular bird probably does not fit into what many would define as a, being a beautiful bird and even reviled for feeding on carcasses. Culturally, they are even considered as signs of ill omen. Right? So can you tell me briefly the role of vultures in our ecosystem? What kinds of vultures are found in Nepal and what is the reason behind the sharp decline in their population? So vultures are one of the largest birds of prey in the world. And if you look at the species richness of Nepal, there is no other country in the world that has more species of vultures than Nepal. You know, Nepal has nine species of vultures, and there is only one other country that has that richness, and that is India. But you know, India is much bigger than Nepal in geographic, um, you know, in the land coverage and things like that. So that richness we have in Nepal. And uh, the vulture numbers also were really in millions, talking about pre-80s, pre-90s scenario. And um, vulture numbers really flourished, in, especially in India and Nepal, mainly because of the cultural practice that we have. Most people being Hindus and Hindus not eating cows. Cows formed the main diet for vultures, and therefore that superabundant supply of food for vultures helped increase in a huge population of vultures in the Indian subcontinent. And why they have declined? They have declined because in the late 80s, there was a drug that was introduced in Indian subcontinent called diclofenac which is a drug which comes under the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug category. And that drug was slowly killing the vultures without conservationists noticing in the beginning. And But of course, when the numbers really fell down from 99% um, decline for some of the species, so then conservationists noticed it. And the three years or four years of research found out that it was a drug that was killing our vultures, decimating the entire population and really a scary situation. On that note, since you're also involved in some of the conservation efforts, can you also tell us what is being done to protect these vultures? So basically, you know, when the vultures were declining and diclofenac was found as the culprit for that huge uh, decline of vultures, then um, there were a lot of uh, different approaches taken 
for conservation you know one is the awareness of course awareness and education to the communities you know who are providing food to the vultures then the second was um, uh, we did not know whether the vultures would survive in the wild we just keep on watching keep on monitoring them and eventually they may be they may be disappearing from the nature therefore what we did was we captured some of the wild stock and we put them in captivity so that we can breed them in captivity and keep us you know stock just in case the entire population is wiped out from the nature so that's what that was the second measure you know establishing conservation breeding center as we say and then um, the third was uh, because there was diclofenac in the environment we did research on safe alternative drug what can be given as drug to the cows and that when the cows in spite of being treated if they die and the vultures feed on that body what would be the safe alternative drug a replacement replacement and that research showed some of the drugs were safer to vultures and we promoted those drugs actually you know what we did was we were swapping the stock of diclofenac in shops us buying you know we bought meloxicam which is the safe alternative okay. drug and then we gave meloxicam to shopkeepers and we took the diclofenac and we wow. just destroyed diclofenac because the fear was that vultures would continue to decline so those you know three or four measures were done and of course setting up the vulture restaurant you know a safe feeding site in nawalparasi was another landmark in um, conservation of vultures at that time so so how is it doing now the the vulture rehab program how is it doing so so basically i must add here just uh, for clarification that how diclofenac was killing vultures okay so diclofenac is a drug given to cow when they have diarrhea or some kind of pain so it's basically a painkiller also often mixed with cetamol so once a cow is sick and if the drug is given and in spite of that treatment if the cow dies then some traces of diclofenac is still there in the tissues of the dead cow and when that tissue when that meat is eaten by vultures then vultures ingest a lot of that meat and the concentration of the diclofenac gets very high in their body system vultures have kidney they don't cope with diclofenac excretion so they were not excreting diclofenac rather accumulating diclofenac within their system and that was resulting visceral gout in vultures and therefore they were dying so it was no direct poisoning to vultures it was a kind of secondary poisoning okay so that's how they were dying so that's my clarification here and that on your question how they how the vultures are doing i think we have now we think we have stabilized the remaining vulture population they are still dying from other threats but i think we have stabilized whatever the population is but other threats are emerging that's excellent so are these vultures uh, rehabilitated into the wild the conservation breeding center is closed now yeah, it's already closed it's already closed after so we set up this in 2008 and this was closed uh, this year all the captive bred stock were released um 
they didn't perform the best, but most of them survived. Some died, but most of them survived. And um, the Conservation Breeding Center was closed because we thought our conservation efforts were showing positive signs in the wild. Hi there, this is Somit Nirnipani from Policy Entrepreneurs Inc. We hope you're enjoying Pots by PEI. As you know, creating this show takes a lot of time and resources, and we rely on the support of our community to keep things going. If you've been enjoying the show and would like to help us out, we'd really appreciate it if you could become a patron on Patreon. Patreon is a platform that allows listeners like you to support creators like us with a small monthly donation. Your support will go a long way in helping us continue creating high-quality content for you. So if you're interested in supporting our show and becoming a part of our community, head on over to Patreon and become a patron today. You can find us at patreon.com slash podsbypei. Every little bit helps and we can't thank you enough for your support. Now let's get back to the episode. So continuing on the topic of conservation, there are quite a number of efforts targeted at nature and conservation. When it comes to birds, what are some of the important initiatives that are in place in Nepal to protect them? I think um, that's, again, a very important question and uh, that uh, will probably touch on the plans and policies you know, we have. And um, on that, um, I think the most important uh, thing that the, this country has done is um, to have the National Parks and Wildlife Conservation Act, 1973. And that is really the main law, main act that protects the entire wildlife in the country, including birds. And within that law, there are nine species of birds strictly protected also. And I think that is the biggest initiative that this country has done to conserve the birds. Then the, there are other plants and policies also. within. So within that act, we have followed some guidelines and we have produced some species action plans for threatened species. For example, Bengal florican is very threatened species. So we have produced Bengal florican conservation action plan. We have produced vulture action plan. We have produced pheasant action plan. You know, so those are also guiding documents for conservation. Then um, the Bird Conservation Nepal, the oldest bird conservation organization in the country, they have produced a document called uh, Important Bird and Biodiversity Area, IBAs, they call it. In 2005, when they produced, it was 27 IBAs in Nepal, including Fulsoki as one of the IBAs. Then now um, there is another document coming, and uh, it is documenting 42 sites in Nepal as sites of international importance, very important for bird conservation. So I think these are the important documents and uh, policies in place for conservation of birds in Nepal. It's good to know. So I'm sure conservation efforts are not without their challenges. So can you speak to some of the obstacles that conservationists are facing in Nepal and maybe provide a few examples how they are working to overcome these hurdles? Uh, there are a lot of hurdles for you know, conservation, uh, bird conservation. 
The main problem uh, I see is, uh, you know, we have, I mentioned about that act, which was uh, promulgated in 1973. But at the same time, uh, what happens is uh, we have other acts and they conflict with this act. We have development act, we have acts in development sectors. There are other ministries which are very keen to develop roads, develop hydros, develop power lines, develop canals and huge airports, you know, large infrastructures. And, um, and there is the conflict. So there is no integrated policy, you know, for development. An integrated policy would look after welfare of people and wildlife at the same time. And that is lacking. And that is probably the biggest hurdle that we have in the country for conservation of birds as well as other wildlife, environmental conservation as a whole. Right. So for my next question, I'd like to get to the topic of climate change now. Given the growing awareness of the far-reaching effects of climate change on various aspects of the world, I think it is important to know and understand how it's affecting wildlife particularly in vulnerable regions in Nepal. So are there any observable changes or patterns in the behavior, yeah. distribution, or population of birds in Nepal that can be linked to climate change? Yeah, absolutely. Climate change is obviously something that's going on for a long time. And um, the change that is brought by climate change is not specific to one species, but... It's the entire environment, you know, where we live and where also there is wildlife. And we have seen some uh, changes in the behavior, in the distribution, in the status of uh, different species. And now coming to birds, uh, what we have seen is some of the species, for example, which were only found in the lowlands, uh, lowland living species, now they are also being found slightly higher up in other valleys. For example, in Pokhara, you know, we have seen a couple of species really growing up, their population really booming. Little cormorant, purple moorhen, and yellow beaten, you know, these kind of species just going up, you know, the population. And similarly in Kathmandu Valley also, we are getting birds from the lowland. They are establishing well, and they, they are establishing well without us aiding them. And that's happening because we think because of the climate change. You know, for example, the greater kukal is being more frequent here, which used yes. to be a rare thing. Yeah. And then um, we have once or twice we recorded things like Asiprinia, which is mainly a bird of the lowland. And uh, that again has appeared a few times in Kathmandu Valley. So, you know, there, there are visible changes in distribution but also behavior, you know, behavioral changes. The way the amount of cuckoos that are arriving in Nepal is less. And uh, I, I guess cuckoos breeding is affected also because of the climate change, because cuckoos are very much, all the cuckoos feed on the caterpillars and things like that. And climate change is affecting the way the emergence of caterpillars, you know, from the egg. And uh, that is, the main food source for cuckoos. And uh, if cuckoos breeding and emergence of 
caterpillar doesn't coincide, that brings a um, breeding hazard for the cuckoos and their population may not go up, decline if the breeding is, is unsuccessful. So, you know, these kind of changes we are already seeing. Uh, some birds are benefiting from climate change. They can adapt, but those birds are very little. Small number of species only, they can be more adaptable. But whereas other species, most other species, because they require their specific habitat and the food they depend on, it is very difficult for them to cope. You know, for example, house crows. You know, they will cope fantastically, you know, even in the event of climate change. Right. So has this been affecting uh, migratory birds like coming in from Siberia? Yeah, I think that is a quite an important aspect, effect of climate change and uh, migratory birds, their migration route, the timing of coming and going, you know, for migratory birds that's been, you know, being affected. Some birds are reluctant to go back now, you know, okay. so, they, so they have decided to stay. And uh, also the, the length of migration they used to do, that is changing rapidly. Before they used to perform long, long migration, some of the species, you know, and this, this, these are most of the studies, the knowledge that I'm sharing with you are done not only in Nepal, actually very few studies done in Nepal. Mostly the studies done outside Nepal with the latest technology available and long-term data. So definitely climate change has had a huge impact on uh, migratory birds. So uh, looking ahead, as birds are an integral part of Nepal's biodiversity, it is important to consider how their significance and role in the environment will be understood and valued in the coming years. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on how you foresee the attitudes and perceptions towards birds evolving in Nepal. Additionally, what measures do you think could be taken to promote a deeper appreciation and protection of birds among the general public? I think that is the you know, main crux of the conservation that we are doing, Adhiras, because uh, you know, unless and until everyone in this country understands the value of birds and biodiversity, conservation of biodiversity, con you know, environmental conservation is going to be a, you know, a battle that uh, is more or less losing battle. But the good thing is we have a new generation coming and uh, the new generation is really smart. They are very keen to promote conservation of birds and other wildlife. So that is really the biggest hope that we have. You know, new generation understands and they have uh, for the awareness and education they have been using various means that are available now that were not available say 15 years ago so that is really the hope that we have but the fore and foremost thing that we need to do is to ensure that public understands to appreciate what we have you know, my, actually, my dream is that every house in Nepal, I don't know when that will be. If I visit, they can talk about, say, 15, 20 birds. Maybe they have a pair of binoculars in their nice, house, nice, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I think that, that is so important. Because uh, when I started 
doing birds bird watching i was told by the foreigners the beauty that we have and it should not be that it should be our people nepali people telling our nepali people as well as our foreigner friends the beauty we have the birds we have the diversity we have so i think that public appreciation of birds biodiversity is the most important thing and that is the basic thing that we need to start beautiful so how about bird watching and tourism i know that there are some interests in this regard but this remains clearly a niche market and do you think there is possibility of expanding this so that nepal becomes a destination for bird watchers or bird photography yes i think there is a huge scope in nepal for bird watching and bird photography promoting you know both but what we have to remember is um we we need to be very clever how we promote our country as the bird watching destination because we don't have the luxury of having so many endemic birds like for example sri lanka has you know they have more than 40 species endemic to sri lanka so people have to go to sri lanka to see those 40 species right whereas we just have one endemic species and that is also not easy to see you know spiny babbler spiny babbler yeah, yeah. So we need to be very careful how we promote this country as a bird watching destination. We cannot be promoting an endemism, you know, because we have very little endemism in the country, you know, landlocked and uh, sharing similar geographical habitats with India and China. We are lucky that we have one endemic bird species because if you go to Pakistan they don't have one. So I think the way we can promote uh, bird watching and bird photography as you said is uh look we have 891 species you come here what we can show you in two weeks time if you come on the right time of the year and you you went to the right places you can see half of them so that's how we can promote for example indonesia has nearly 2000 species for example but to see that 2000 maybe to see 400 you'll probably have to spend 4 weeks there but here to see 400 you can do it in 2 weeks i think that's how we can promote uh, bird watching I mean, nepal is a bird watching destination but again everything is linked to conservation we must conserve the birds so that we can promote bird watching tourism that's very insightful thank you so much so finally for anyone who may be interested in getting into bird watching and bird photography what are some of the ways they can get involved are there any particular bird watching hotspots in nepal that you would recommend would even be some of your favorite hotspots yes um there are a lot of destination yeah. obviously within the valley i think godavari fulchoki is you know my favorite and that's why i took president carter two times there you know <laughs> right. so that's a fantastic It's such a fantastic place for forest birding. It's a very rare um rare uh, habitat there and one can see so many varieties especially of laughing thrushes. I love laughing thrushes, you know, seeing laughing thrushes there. And then of course, you know, we have uh, so many other places like easy birding, Kosittapu, Chitwan, Suklafanta, even Lumbini, Pokhara, you know, really really nice birdia, very easy birding and if you are to trekking and that kind of thing then we have langtang anapurna makalu barun sagarmatha kanchanjanga 
Rara, you know, all these trek areas. These are the hottest spots for birding. Usually, the, you know, the important bird and biodiversity area, as I said, there are 42 of them in Nepal. They are the best for birding destination. So they, they're really good. And bird photography goes the same. But to photographers, I would like to also request a caution that we need to be careful photographing birds, especially when they are breeding, and not to disturb too much, because there is a good growth of bird photographers in this country, as you know, also, and uh, which is very good. But we need to follow certain ethics and code of conduct you know, doing bird watching and bird photography. That's very insightful. So, Hem, now we've come to the end of today's conversation. But before I let you go, I do want to let our listeners know that your expertise on nature and conservation in Nepal goes beyond just birds. So, I, recently I heard from a mutual friend, Mahendra, that you actually published a book on tigers in Nepal. I'd love to bring you back to talk about this topic. But for now, could you tell us about your book, Pate Bag, and why we wrote about it? <laughs> That's interesting, <laughs> Because, you know, I mean, uh, my core subject, expertise, is birds. But I wanted to diversify my own um, expertise. So I started writing, um, studying mammals and plants and even reptiles, actually. So during that course, I wrote, together with other authors, books on snow leopards, books on pangolins, even book. Um, papers and plants, actually. And uh, with the Tiger Book, the organization that I work, and there are other organizations which are working on tigers. And we have invested huge amount of resources on tigers. And if you look at tiger papers, scientific papers, there are plenty. And if you look at tiger books in English, there are plenty. But look, you know, I wanted to find out one Nepali, one book on tiger in Nepali language, right. and there is none. So I thought, my goodness, there is a gap there. If we don't make our people understand the importance of tiger, the behavior, the distribution, the status of tigers, our people, the local people, in our language, then who will? And then I decided, okay, I'm going to do it. And it took, you know, I had a full-time job. It took three years to complete that small book. But I think that's very important book written in a very simple uh, language for even laymen to understand. So that's how Pateba came right. into being. Okay, I, think I, I would want a signed copy from you. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay, that's a deal. <laughs> nice. So any final words to our listeners before we call it a wrap? You know, bird watching is... Uh, is um, not only done by scientists like me. Birdwatching is a kind of, I think everybody should be a birder, in my view. Birdwatching takes you to forest, takes you to wetlands, takes you to uh, natural habitats. And that is in today's world, when we are so much disturbed, so much busy, you know, our mind, we need peace of mind. And bird watching is rather a mental therapy for us. Mental peace we gain. Bird watching, you know, birds have been associated with us for a long time. And everyone 
प्लीज लेट्स बी अ बर्ड वाचर फॉर आर ओन सेक फॉर आर ओन पीस एंड आई थिंक दैट विल हेल्प फॉर द कॉन्जर्वेशन ऑफ बर्ड्स एज वेल एज मेक पीपल हेल्दी सो दैट इज माई फाइनल मैसेज ग्रेट सो हेम थैंक यू वंस अगेन फॉर ज्वाइनिंग अस इन द स्टूडियो एंड आई लुक फॉरवर्ड टू येट अनदर चैट विथ यू इन द फ्यूचर Thank you Deeras for giving me this wonderful opportunity wonderful platform to speak about birds thank you so much thank you thanks for listening to pods by pi i hope you enjoyed theeraj's conversation with him sagar on the beauty of birds and bird watching today's episode was produced by nirjan rai with support from saurav lama chedon kansakar hridesh sapkota and me khushihan the episode was recorded at pi studio and was edited by hridesh sapkota Our theme music is the courtesy of Roid Shakya from Zindabad. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast. Also, please do us a favor by sharing us on social media and leaving a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to the show. For PEI's video-related content, please search for Policy Entrepreneurs on YouTube. To catch the latest from us on Nepal's policy and politics, please follow us on Twitter at tweet2pei. That's T W E E T followed by the number two and P E I, and on Facebook at Policy Entrepreneurs Inc. You can also visit PEI dot Center to learn more about us. Thanks again from me, Kushi. We will see you soon in our next episode.